0: You know what's really funny, guys, is that uh, we <laughs> we were sitting here waiting for Jake to show up for the show, and uh, and we were like, wait a minute, if Jake doesn't show up, it's like 7 a.m. over there in Kyoto, so we were like, there's no way he's even going to be awake. Um, <laughs> if he doesn't show up, we don't have a show prepared, <laughs> so it almost became a viewer takeover special. Can you guys hear me? What's going on? Jake, can you hear me? AJ, can you hear me? Everybody good? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. It's good. All right. Excellent. Well I think we should uh I think we should start the show. Let's get this uh theme song started. Let's do it. This is PSVR Gamescast Live, where we film live every single Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, or like 7 a.m. Kyoto time. My name is Brian Paul from this channel right here, and the gentleman to my right, not only do we have AJ from the Underground, but we also have Jake Kazell from 17-Bit. Uh, I mean, you do everything over there, it sounds like, man. CEO, creative director, art director over at 17-Bit, who made Song in the Smoke. Jake, how you doing,
1: buddy? Well, it's 7 o'clock in the morning, uh, but I am <laughs> doing good, and I'm happy to be here to talk to you guys today really happy you made it morning man.
0: i don't function at 7 a.m so uh are you a morning person
1: no no god no uh, <laughs> i did go to bed early last night though so
0: he is mortal
1: <laughs> yeah it's been a it's been a rough uh, it's been a rough couple of weeks you know uh dealing with launch and all the post-launch uh drama which you guys have been a big part of we really appreciate it um so yeah it was it was easy to fall asleep early last night and, and uh looking forward to, to getting up and talking about this so
0: that's awesome. Dude, we have so many questions for you. I think everybody in the chat, please, if you're watching this live, uh, feel free to leave your questions for Jake and any any questions about Song the Smoke in the chat. Uh, he's paying attention to the chat. We'll also be directing your questions to him. So don't hesitate to leave those questions there. Uh, we've got so many things to talk about, but the most important thing I think we need to kick off this conversation with is, is Jake. Do they celebrate Halloween in Japan?
1: You know, uh, not really. Um, it's become a a bit of a party season. Uh, it's not like a thing for kids. Like there's a there's a parade that we used to go to when, the, when my kids were little uh, up up the street here. But it's um, not really a kids thing. It's more an excuse to go downtown and go crazy. Like if you go down to like you know the kind of the hip young areas of Osaka, it's like packed. You know, to the shoulders. Like everything. It's just like people going costumes and, and and just going drinking and stumbling around. Shibuya is the same sort of thing. But it's very much like a 20s, the 30s, sort of heavy duty party night, as opposed to a kids' event.
2: I mean, that counts. You don't trick or treat when you're an adult, anyways. You kind of just go into go to costume parties. So they're just way ahead of us over there, is all.
1: <laughs> no, it's funny. It was it was not really a thing when I first came to Japan, you know, years ago. Um, it really wasn't a thing at all. But now it's it's become sort of definitely a an event. But it's, it's just got this different target audience, I guess.
0: Nice. So, uh, so, so not a whole lot of like horror movies i mean obviously you guys have horror movies and everything but like does here we're seeing uh you know a lot a lot of i guess is this worldwide then right like i mean i don't know i don't know how things work jake I, I gotta be honest i have no idea what happens outside of the united states that's just me i don't know if you know we're, we're all ramping up for halloween movies and, and the october spooky movies and shit but like does, does is that what you're seeing over there when it comes to advertisements
1: no, no, it's more like, I mean, like there's no decorations in the houses or anything like that. Um, it's it's much milder, it's much quieter for that that sort of thing. Yeah, it's not really an event in, in the same sort of way. Like I said, it's just Halloween night is a, a great excuse to go out and get custom and get drunk with all your friends and then a thousand other people. Nice. I don't know if it's going on right now, maybe with all, with all the coronavirus stuff. I'm assuming it hasn't gone on the last couple of years or so, but
0: nice. we'll see. Speaking of coronavirus, uh, congratu- congratulations on uh, on being able to put out your game in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, I'm assuming that uh, I'm assuming that you, at a certain point you had to s- switch gears and everybody had to work remotely.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, let me tell you something. Uh, as a longtime game developer, I've shipped you know more games than I can count on two hands, and it's always a miracle to get across the finish line. It's always a miracle under the best possible conditions to ship a game. Shipping remotely for the first time and like completely, you know, changing your workflow and needing to rediscover the entire workflow of everything you're doing, uh, in the eleventh hour, shipping. You know, this we've been on this thing. We were talking to our accountants yesterday. We've been working on this game for five years. It has been a massive project, the biggest, you know, longest thing I've ever worked on. And to pull it all together remotely has been nothing short of an absolute miracle. And the fact that you know that the team has been so solid and everybody's been in communication constantly. It's just so hard. Everything's ten times harder than it normally would be. But we still sort of, you know, we managed to shove it across the finish line, however late it was. Uh, it only It's only late until it ships, right?
2: How how did you keep this game such a secret for five years? Like, usually we hear hints of games. They get teased. They get, you know, we hear about them first and they get delayed. Nobody in our community, and we we look at everything. We examine every last detail from from job openings um, to everything. And we didn't know about this game until it was announced as part of the uh, Sony, um, the PSVR spotlight. Uh, How hard is that to keep the game under wraps like that?
1: Well... There's a couple factors that go into that. You know, for our first two games uh, as an indie studio, Skulls of Shogun and Galaxy, we were super excited about it and we were super optimistic and just, like, couldn't wait to talk about it and get it out in front of everybody. And so we announced super early and expected we'd be shipping, like, you know, a year later. And then that just kind of, like, it turned into years because good games take time to make. And then by the time you're ready to come out, like you've talked about it, Everything you've got to say about it, you know, everyone's tired of hearing about it, and like it just kind of like peters out. And so this time we were like, all right, guys, we have our funding, we got our project, you know, clear under under control. Let's just keep it under wraps and not talk about it, because we want to just kind of keep all that hype for you know launch season and get everybody super wrapped up around it. Um, you know, we hired basically all by word of mouth. We didn't post any ads or anything like that. Like, there's a good development community here in Kyoto, and so we were able to get a bunch of guys. Uh, on board, you know, and just we decided, you know, we kind of made it a real point to just keep our heads down. Also, the fact that because of coronavirus, there was no PAX, there was no, you know, Bit Summit last year, all these kind of natural windows when we would maybe have announced earlier and kind of like got it out in front of people and, and kind of done a bunch of that stuff, all that was really uh, just off the hook this year. I mean, again, I can't stress how hard this has been for everybody in that normally you want. You want hands-on your game. Like we have learned so much about this game by launching it and getting all this feedback and all these things that people are asking for super consistently across the board that we never even thought about. Because we just weren't able to um, we weren't able to to see. You know, like normally if you take like Galaxy, like we took Galaxy to PAX, I don't know how many times. It's probably embarrassing to say, probably three or four PAXs. But watching a hundred people a day play through that first half hour of the game you know you're learning so much about this stuff because you're so you're, you're blind to it, right? You're making this thing every day and you're like you're trying your best. You're making these tutorials and stuff like that, but it's all the proof is in the pudding. It's all about can someone sit down with this thing, figure it out, where are they getting stuck? And during these trade shows, we would watch everyone's getting stuck at this one thing. So we'd like you know we'd have a guy with a laptop backstage, like you know hacking on it. We're like back there hacking on it, squish this speed bump down, and now everybody's getting stuck at the next thing. But like in real time, you're watching this thing come to life and you're watching this relationship build with the users, and so. You know, in the end, you have this just smooth, smooth on ramp. It's you know, all the bumps are taken care of. Like everything's been addressed because you've done it so many times. With this game, we just a you know, our first VR game, our first real hardcore VR game like this. It's it's a single player game with it's super system structured. It's super systems interdependent, super complex. There's all this new stuff you need to teach a new user just to get them comfortable like just to get them even into the game they just need like this big ramp up season and so we're trying to do stuff with people that are like not really hardcore vr users and they're getting sick after 10 minutes and we're like Man. and there's no way to there's no way to really get these guys you know involved in a way that we would normally need to and then it's you know i've been on top of that it's corona season and people are like you know there's no way they're gonna sit down and have a, have a vr party where we're handing around the headset and we're like doing all this stuff and so i didn't want to do that without even
2: with before the virus, I don't think <laughs> right. I'd feel comfortable sharing the headset unless somebody was sitting a there A lot like... of people
1: don't, right? Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, It's a weird thing. So VR doesn't really translate really well to trade shows on a good day. I mean, everyone gets the PAX plague and stuff like that, you know, on a good day. And so now it was just like, wow. We're just sitting here laughing at it. We're like, man, like, most complex thing we've ever done. Super hardcore, single player, ramp up, and and no play testers and no way to get this thing out in front of a crowd. Like, it's just been nuts. And then, so we're watching, you know, the whole team is just, like, all in our Discord, like, freaking out, like, you know, loving interacting with all these people and getting all this data in. But just, like, whoa, like, we never even thought about this. Like, everyone's, like, asking for, like, a low UI mode where, like, you know, all the blights and stuff like that that are kind of, like, nice. chattering at you. And these pop-up messages with all, with all this kind of this data that we didn't have a chance to squeeze into the tutorial. But you need to know. And everyone's, like, how do we turn this stuff off? We're, like, well, wow, I guess once you've had it, maybe it would be better. Like, I'm testing and making videos and stuff and these pop-ups are popping up, killing a great shot that I'm trying to get it for the trailer or whatever. I'm like, man, you know. If we had just been able to do, like I see now, why you do a soft launch, why you do early access or something like that, because you're going to get so much critical feedback with time to kind of, you know, pull it back in and roll it back in. And already, I mean, every patch we've done has been completely community-driven. It's been all about all this data coming in, and we're like, yeah, 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 okay. People are wanting this, wanting this. There's like little fixes that we can easily do, the biggest one that people are are really interested in, but we're just never going to happen, is this free clamber mode. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Just didn't even, you know, didn't even think about it. And again, it's been a long project. When we started, there was very little big sort of action-adventure games like this to even look at. So we were kind of just inventing stuff on the fly, and some systems, you know, kind of got outdated, but they were kind of a part of the core experience, and we just sort of left them sitting there. And and that one was a big one. Like it, the way our whole nav mesh works and our whole sort of you know interaction with the environment works is on this, this nav mesh that you share with the creatures and this this data is all shared. And there's no way for us now to go back in and retroactively add this kind of free climb stuff. But people keep asking for it. I'm like, well, that's an easy one to just say no to because like, that would require yeah. an entire retooling of everything. And that's not going to happen. But a lot of these smaller data changes, and a lot of tuning and tweaking, and kind of uh, options menus, a lot of that stuff is what we're you know talking about all day yesterday. We were talking about okay, you know, looking at all this new data coming in, what can we act on? What you know, and what's the what's sort of the triage? What's the uh, the priority list of like what's easy to get in? What's the highest priority? We have some you know existing bugs, and then when you fix bugs, new bugs <laughs> pop up, yeah. and you're just like. How? Why? Well, we put the i. We put that. We dotted the little i, and and now large Z doesn't show up anymore. You're like, and everyone's just like, but why? Like, it's always worked. Why would that affect that? And no, no one knows. But it's like, it doesn't matter. We have to fix it. We have to figure out what's wrong. You know, two guys have reported it. That means it's a thing. We've never seen that. We have no idea how to recreate it. And if you can't recreate it, you can't fix it. Because if you don't know what the problem is, you don't know how to solve it. We're just, like, playing, and everyone's, like, you know, all these heated messages going around the studio. It's like, okay, guys, on this stage, if you look at the sun at 6 o'clock p.m., you know, this is all the data we got to work on. Let's just try, and we're, you know, everyone's, like, testing and testing, working their asses off. I'm so proud of the team. I'm so thankful that everyone's just been, like, being able to kind of keep the momentum going, even though we pushed across the finish line. The fight's not over yet, so go, go, go.
0: Uh, real quick, Scott Jesco, PSN, Harry Feld, PSVR Cap for Life with the $2 tip. Says, I'm late, so here's my late fee. Thank you so much, Scott Jesko. Uh, but also, I got to ask, personally, I know there's been a lot of questions in the chat uh, asking about what you know what will be added, but I, I think I think my biggest question right now is uh, one of the things that breaks immersion for me personally is when you just kind of turn out of the way of the camera for a second and that VR grid pops up, uh, is that an easy one to, to turn off or get a, an option to turn it off?
1: It is, uh, that's our number, literally our number one thing. It's, yes. e- it's super easy to turn off. The problem is, the reason it's there, again, this is just one of those development things, the reason it's there is because without that grid, and you'll find out, because we are going to make this option available, but the the VR tracking camera on the PSVR is not the world's best, let's say that. Sure. Um and so as soon as your hand what? gets you know, out of that <laughs> no idea. if I've got this if I've got this box here and as soon as my hand goes out of that and my hand quits responding yeah. and uh, I'm like trying to swing my sword or whatever or you know sing my club and my hand is just not responding, the player it feels terrible for the player. So we didn't have it going at first. We're like, wow, this is terrible. Like you just don't know. You don't know when your hand is out. And so you don't know when you're like, I really, really need this critical hit right now. I need to know that it's not going to happen because of my camera problems. And that's the whole reason we sat down. We thought there would be some sort of standard plug-in thing for this thing, but there wasn't. We had to kind of go in and and create that thing in Maya from scratch and figure out how to have it render and and do all this stuff and kind of ape the location of the thing and figure out the size and like how big that cone was from the camera. Like we literally engineered this whole thing to, to work. Um, And it does help, you know, you do know, you're like, okay, my hand's out. Like I can expect some screwiness right now, but yeah, literally everyone's like, can we just turn that damn thing off? I'm like, yeah, yeah, we totally can. So that's coming.
0: And we, get, you know, we get why it's there for sure, and and, and that was a great explanation. Uh, but for a lot of us, we have perfected our PSVR setup over the years, and so we know right. it's like, you know, we we have it eight feet away from us. We have it eight feet off the off the floor, it's slightly pointing down. It can totally see every single motion that we make. I don't care if we're over here or over here or up there or down there. You know, we have perfected this, especially for you know for AJ and I who play PSVR pretty much six hours a day, every single day of the week. Like if that was wrong, we'd be screwed. Uh, so hopefully, uh, hopefully a lot of the cats out there have a good setup too. So when you have the option to turn this off, and they do, they won't be like, why isn't this working? <laughs> hopefully, hopefully their, uh, their yeah. setup is up to par, man. It,
2: it oh, probably oh, right. made more sense when you started on the game five years ago, when, <laughs> people, when VR was new. Uh, by this point, yeah, we, we basically know uh, all these
1: things. Yeah. You guys, um, the, the bow and arrow, do you... So we added a really late addition to the game was the single-handed bow. Do you mm-hmm. guys do single-handed or do you do two-handed? Two-handed. Okay. Yes. The, reason, yeah. the, reason, yeah, the reason that went in was, uh, it's a huge difference. Like you're saying with the camera, when you've got the camera down below the TV set, and you're pulling the bow back, that first controller is literally occluding that second controller, and you right. can't see it at all. Right. And so people kept complaining, like, it doesn't work, it doesn't work, you know, it keeps freaking out. And then we just realized, it's very simple, you just put the camera on top of the TV, where it's able to see both those hands all of a sudden, right. you know, and then you've got both no problem. Hand. But we were not able to get in the, the right messaging and we're like, well, we could just do this single cleaner, single headed mode that doesn't feel quite as good, obviously, but it's way more dependent or it's way more dependable if you are on PSVR with a camera down low. So. Yeah. I, I love it. Thankful to hear that because I think it's much better with two hands.
0: Rhodey in the chat says, "LOL, months of engineering, so the game cats can just turn it off." <laughs> <laughs> is that is that how it feels to be a developer? Where you're like, we put so much work into this, and you just don't. Like, are are there moments where like you obviously were watching a ton of people play the game at launch, and you were seeing how everyone was you know reacting to the things that happened? Where was there anybody on the team, or was everybody on the team going? Why aren't they doing this thing we told them about? Like why you know, was, was there any obvious uh thing that gamers were just missing in the game?
1: I think it was it was a very different experience. It was actually more like we were super worried about little tiny things that no one was noticing, you know. We were like we've been on the same for so long and we've been just hammering on these things so long. And like, you start to kind of rat hole a little bit, right? You're like, "Ah, it's not right yet. Everyone's (laughs) going to like hate this. And they're like, no, it's like this little tiny thing. Like you need to be worried about the bigger strokes. And so people love the big strokes. There were some bugs and there was, you know, some of that stuff that's really hard to watch. Some of the balancing things were like, wow. Yeah. Like watching new players again, they're new to it. They don't have the vocabulary. They don't understand all these kind of minutia and these subsystems that we just have this innate understanding of, which makes it tough. Um but, yeah, more than more than anything, it was just like, wow, uh, it went smoother than we thought, I think. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, again, we had done a lot of internal testing with just anybody we could get our hands on. Like, hey, mom, you know, will you play my game? And she's just like, I don't really understand what I'm doing. And we're like, this tutorial is too hard. And then you give it to a bunch of hardcore gamers, and they're like, yeah, this is great. And they zip right through. You're like, okay, okay, no, we're, we're good. We're good. It's fine. It's fine. This
2: game is definitely a lot bigger than what we were expecting. We were, you know, VR games are not typically the same length as non-VR games, um, especially from indie studios. And, you know, this game is ginormous. Uh, I've got 60 hours to prove it, and I'm still playing it. I still got two trophies left for the Platinum Trophy. Uh, I think me and Nikki he's probably not here right now because he's trying to beat me to be the first to platinum it. Um, <laughs> what a sneaky I, I'm watching in. you. I'm going to pull up my PS app and monitor him. Um, but, uh, you know, of all the things, like, there's there's so many things this game gets right and does really well. When you started this game, though, what was the first, like, main focus? Like, that, the first thing that you were like, this has to be – perfect or was it just from the beginning like a bunch of stuff that had to be right
1: i think really for me you know when i first played the vr stuff i, I was really excited about you know all this stuff and we were the first um you know we, we kick-started the first uh oculus the tk1 and so when i first started playing stuff i was just you know completely consumed by the, the concept of making a game like this the game originally was going to be more of a a top-down kind of you know run around smashing animals doing stuff like that um but I think for me, it was this promise of being able to deliver this self-contained world. And what I wanted was everything to be, anything you can interact with would have a purpose in that world. And everything could, you know, any rock could be turned into a tool, it could be turned into a weapon. Um, You know, you would in- inherently just innately understand the value and the property of a rock. You're like, okay, right, I've been in the woods, I understand what a stick does, I understand what a, you know, a, a rock does. And if we could create this kind of self-contained world where there wasn't that many objects in it, but everything in there was real and it kind of like became part of this ecosystem. And then you could literally survive in that little made up simulated world, you know? And like, to yeah. me, that was just like fascinating. I was like, it felt like there was, like some sort of weird, like you know, deep space sort of simulation thing where you're off on the Enterprise, whatever, like you're stuck in this weird little simulation, but you're like, yeah, but there's enough stuff for me to literally survive here if I just play my cards right. Like to me, that was always kind of the core of this whole thing. And then like making this beautiful world and I guess the you know the next thing after that really for me was to make the AI not feel like a video game character AI where it just sees you and it runs at you and one of you dies every time. Like I wanted it yeah. to be like no, there's like these are animals and they've got some self preservation tendencies and they you know they're living in this world and you're kind of storming in there. That's what I, that's what I really wanted to to kind of that, like kick it off with.
2: That was actually one of the questions I had written down was what kind of studies uh, did you do for the animals because you know they do like live and breathe in the world and they, they react like you said. And, you know, but there's all these little details like at night you see their eyes glowing and what, um, what did you guys like do a bunch of studies or did you just like know to do all this off the top of your head?
1: I mean, I like camping. I like camping a lot. And I like, <laughs> I like, um, you know, Japan's got a lot of, a lot of weird, a lot of weird wildlife. Mm. Um, one of the things we did was uh, my friend, a good friend of mine, Bruce Straley, was the, the director of you know Uncharted and Last of Us. Um, he's a good friend of mine. He actually helped out with the story on this a little bit. But he came out here, and we went to Yakushima, which is the island down uh, the very south of Japan that has this huge old growth forest. It's kind of where Princess Mononoke is basically based on, all those kind of crazy rock outcroppings and all that kind of stuff. And so we went there, and there's a lot of deer and monkeys there. And um, <laughs> I just spent time hunting these deer i mean i wasn't using a bow i was using my camera but i was like stalking these deer and kind of like seeing how they would react and like i would kind of like get over a hill and watch their body language and see when they started getting nervous and then when they would run off like how far they would run and like i just kind of spent a bunch of time like kind of exploring the boundary between the deer and myself and how close i could get and kind of how they would react and stuff like that And just took a ton of notes And Bruce and I got surrounded by monkeys. There's a lot of big monkeys there. There's big Japanese macaw, macaques. I don't know how that's pronounced. Um, And uh, again, it's just like this relationship with him, like them noticing you and them getting kind of riled up and you getting closer. Like he's like, you know, you're not supposed to smile at monkeys because it's like a threatening thing when you show your teeth. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it just kind of like, you know, spending much time with the wildlife and kind of freaking out. and, And like, you know, the two of us would just go for these long walks in the woods and we would get kind of separated and kind of, you know, be taking our own time on these, these, This is a famous place for walking. It's all these camping and hiking stuff, these huge old growth trees. It's absolutely stunning. And so, you know, I just was like out there and just like paying attention, like to my emotional sort of reactions to hearing a stick break, like I'm out in the woods deep, you know, by myself and I hear a stick break and or I hear something running around, like, you know, just like all these sort of emotional beats to the world. Like I wanted to just kind of like really kind of keep track of how I felt and like, you know, what it would be like to be alone out here and, and literally, you know, trying to survive and where all these little kind of cues might keep you alive or might keep you kind of uh, sharper. So super cool. Uh, uh, one, one quick, uh, could I jump in real quick here uh, to genetic blasphemy, the reverse engineered game cat, oh, yeah. uh, the bow of the 90 or the bow angle uh, on the PSVR is something that we are also talking about right now for yes. uh, a lot of people have asked for that. And I think we're going to be able to do it because we have uh, something similar for the club. So I think that's going to be on the, on the list of the very quick, quick uh, to come.
0: I've got a, yeah, I've got a list sure. of questions here from the chat. Uh, thank you for addressing that one. It was on my list. Um, Nihilus Ryan, the game feline uh, with the $5 tip. Thank you. Ryan says, Happy Monday, y'all. Congratulations to Jake on a fantastic game that all future VR survival games will be compared to. Did you have any idea like that this was gonna be like be setting a high a new high watermark for VR games?
1: I mean, it's funny, it's the game is very it's complex. As as you know, yeah. And like most games, it's better to kind of have the core of it earlier and then you just sort of organically add more content to it. Um, this game was very systems dependent and a lot of independent parts were moving. And we kind of just like, we knew we weren't going to have that core right away. So we had to kind of like design a bunch of stuff and then push towards this center. And, you know, people were like, I don't know, you know, some of the guys on the team are like, I don't know, you know, I don't know if this is fun or not. I can't tell if we're making a fun game. Like, this isn't quite working. And I'm like, I know, but you have to pretend that this thing is going to be here, and you have to pretend this thing is going to be here. I could kind of see it in my head, and I had high hopes. I wasn't positive it was going to work out, but I had high hopes. And as you know, I have a good imagination, and I can kind of like let go of stuff, and I was able to kind of pretend. I'm good at pretending. I was good at pretending that the system was working, and then I could pretend that this thing just didn't happen, and that thing actually worked out. And like you know, in my mind's eye, if you put all this stuff together, maybe it would be a fun thing. And then towards the end, you know, as these things kind of did kind of lock into place and we're playing, you know, hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, hours, I'm like, I'm having a damn good time. I don't know about you guys. Our tester was like a very lovely guy, but he's, he gets volatile. And he, uh, he would be playing a lot of VR, like, you know, just all day, every day. And he would get really frustrated with stuff and he's like, I don't think this is fun. And then one day he was just like, man, I played all weekend and I had such fun. I had you guys like I had so much fun just like doing my thing. And like now that I'm kind of getting past like looking for the little things and I was just playing and I was able to just really enjoy this. He's like, I think this is a really fucking fun game. And I was like, I I keep telling you, I think this is going to be really good. You guys, I think it's going to be really good. And then, yes, the reviews are just like, holy shit, this game is so much fun. And we're all like, just like relief, you know, like we did it. We did it. We did it. It worked out It's kind of crazy. It worked out
2: it's a really great balance between being an immersive VR experience and just a fun game. I mean, it starts you out with, with a three-headed crow, and one of those heads is like an, a demon witch lady. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and I was like, from that moment, I was like, okay, I think I'm going to like this game. And it, it just got me right away. And then, you know, the survival mechanics, that's, that's one of the things I think as a VR game, was uh, one thing it really excels at, is being immersive. And just like you said, you, you can go out there. Each area is huge, and it feels alive. I mean, the audio design is really good. You've got birds flying out of bushes, and, um, you know, you hear the wildlife stomping around. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's it's just a great balance between the two.
1: We've got, uh... Good to hear it, man.
0: We've got sung in the flame cat in the chat uh, says okay serious question and, and I think I'm going to expand on this question uh, before you can get a chance to answer. It. He says, "Will there be any merch available to buy?" I got to say, for one, I'm upset that I'm not wearing a song in the smoke shirt right now. I feel like yep. we're very off brand. Uh, I said I just love the artwork and want a poster or t-shirt or whatever. And then Shen Muso asked uh, before the show even began, uh, "Are we going to have a retail release of this? Maybe a partnership with Perp Games or
1: something along those lines." Uh, let's see, there's some tough questions in there. Um, (laughs) Merch is something we would like to do, uh, and we're sort of, you know, we have been very solely focused on finishing this game. Like, there's been a lot of other stuff outside of that that we probably could have been more on top of, but we've just been like, listen, it's got to be all hands-on deck with this thing. Um,
2: I like your said,
1: Yeah, that being said, the merch is uh, something that we are looking into now, and, you know, uh, actually just yesterday it was doing some interesting... uh, explorations of some stuff. Um, And there is a partnership coming uh, with a limited... um, uh, What do I say this? I'm fucking this up. There is a physical game coming, uh, and we we have some stuff to kind of work through and figure out, but uh, we will be doing uh, something uh, in the near future. Nice. I need that
0: in my life. It needs to sit up on my bookshelf. I already own the game digitally, obviously, but I can't wait to put it up on my bookshelf next to Arashi Castles of Sin, uh, because I'm I'm betting... Based on uh, you know the the artwork I've seen for this game, I'm betting you're gonna have some some killer artwork on that case. Oh
1: yeah, yeah for sure, and it's something that is important to us too. You know, as a small studio that does um, all digital you know indie games, um, we we had a, a box set just recently done um, uh, through an old friend of mine uh, for it was a smash up of uh, Galaxy and Skulls of the Shogun on one disc for PSVR, or for PS4 and for uh, Switch. Switch. I just saw that yeah, on the Amazon yeah. Yeah, and just having that on my shelf, it's like the first thing that I look up at, you know, above everything now. And it just, it feels really good, obviously, you know, but you know, I come from a generation where everything came in cases. And uh, it's it's a little weird to kind of move to this new generation of just like everything being digital and stuff like that. But having that that package, it means a lot. Uh, and I will say that we are excited about doing a packaged version. And we have some really cool ideas for some of the stuff that we want to put in there to to kind of bring to life. So that's gonna be sort of our next assignment now that we're finally kind of starting to catch our breath a little bit, and you know there's getting able to move into some other <laughs> some other priorities besides just the one fast land of finishing this game as well as we can nice. Uh, we got Joshua McCrory
0: in the chat with the $10 tip says Jake you and your team have created a beautiful immersive and addictive game what was the decision behind naming it Song in the Smoke dude i been i was kind of joking on uh, on gamescast before the game came out and i was like man i hope people pay attention to this game because song in the smoke has this kind of artsy fartsy ring to it which i am an indie movie indie game artsy fartsy kind of guy right and i love this shit but like you know, looking at Swordsman VR, I was like, maybe they should have just named it Survival VR Survival. and it would have sold fucking millions. <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> so, the code name uh, throughout all of time was Savage. Oh, that's and cool. And yeah, it, it's perfect. It's just the savage world, it's the savage landscape, it's the savage weather, it's savage everything. It sums it up perfectly. I was so excited about this. Guess what? There's another game called Savage. If you look it up on Steam, I don't know if it's an RTS or something. It's very different. It's a very different game. And we actually thought about, I think there's even a Savage 2. And I thought about con- contacting the guys and being like, can we please have this name? Like, what if we call it Savage VR or something? And we ended up just not. Um, the The original code name that we actually pitched it as uh, was Embers of Man, which was sort of a, uh, well, there's also an album called Embers of Man uh, by some death metal guy um, and so that kind of was different, too. It was At the beginning, it was going to be more of a kind of a story about, uh, like, this dying tribe and, and this whole kind of thing. The story kind of changed over time. Uh, and I was actually stuck for a name. And I was talking to our good friends up at 8.4 in Tokyo who do a lot of localization and, and uh, translation stuff. And they, they're really involved in the scene in a lot of ways. Uh, some of my best, oldest friends in the game industry... And their guy uh, Brian Gray is a translator that does a bunch of stuff for Square and all this kind of stuff. He's just a really talented writer and really good uh, guy who comes up with names. It's kind of he's just like known for his his capacity for this stuff. So we I went up to Tokyo a while ago and we just sat down at a cafe and uh, he had not played the game or anything like that. And he's just like just talk about it, talk about the story, talk about the world, just talk you know just tell me the whole story of this thing. And I told him about you know you're in this cabin and these crazy people are sitting around and they're singing to you and it's the smoky cabin and you're all this, you know, you are kind of hallucinating all this weird stuff. And, and he's just like, how about song in the smoke? And I was just like, like, I got chills. I was like, I love it. Oh my God. Like, that's perfect. That is, that's the game. Like it's, it's creepy and weird and moody. Uh, and that was, that was it, you know? And I just, I was like, yeah, I couldn't believe it. Um, so that, that stuck. And then the moment I wrote down the moniker sits song in the smoke I realize it's just like our other game, Sots, Skulls of the Shogun. So we have Sots and Sits in our three-game three repertoire here. So uh, good job. Good job, team.
0: Jay, if, I, if I'm ever rich and famous, is there any chance I could hire you just to come over and read me bedtime stories about game development? <laughs> I, every time we ask you a question, it's like you, there's, there's somebody out there, like somebody that you've got a connection with in the video game world. Like you've been doing this a fucking long time, man. Like, you know, everybody
1: a long time i've worked you know major cities uh all the major game development hubs i think now i've I've pretty much spent time in except for like london and montreal uh so yeah you know it's been a long time got a lot of friends and a lot of people that i started with you know back in the day have all become you know the heads of everything i mean I, i got super famous high up buddies now because i've been doing this since i was you know 20 years old uh yeah, it's great. I I really miss my friends, man. I miss I tell you missing uh Pax and GDC and E3, all these things and not connecting with these people that you see every year for a couple years at a time now. Like everybody's just like, man, we miss each other real bad because this a the tight crew, you know. It's really fun. People work well together. Uh you get so inspired, you know, going to GDC and like learning all the new techniques and catching up with everybody and seeing what they're working on and them like showing you secret prototypes is like such a such a rush for a for a game developer and having all that taken away right now is actually really hard for all of us. The
2: developer community that came out and showed support for this game and was vocal about this on social media, I mean, I saw people from everywhere. Um, it, it really did show that, you know, this friendship. This You, you originally came from uh, a Sega background, right?
1: Uh, well, I was at Sega for a long time, yeah, in Tokyo. Okay,
2: okay. But then I also saw, you know... Um, like in the in the special in the in the thank you credits, there was like a special thanks to uh, like Gio Corsi, who's a big who was a big PlayStation guy, will always be a big PlayStation guy. Um, and then we saw I saw like Ryan Peyton, uh, who's actually been on this. Uh, he's been up here with us before, and uh, he's he's a good friend of ours. He's a really nice guy. So uh, it was just really cool to see. Obviously, this was us as consumers. We were completely cut off from this game being developed, but it was really cool to see. All of the support from from the just bunch of like you said a bunch of huge names in the industry. It was some. It seemed like a really special. Must have been really special for you guys.
1: Brian mean, I, and I go way way back. I talk to Brian quite often. We have a lot in common, and uh, we've just been really yeah, good supporters of each other uh, throughout this whole thing. Uh, Gio, actually, uh, this is a fun quick story. So we we were pitching Song of the Smoke uh, years ago at JDC, and uh, it was me and my my business partner Raj. And we had pitched, you know, a bunch of different people and uh, the whole week had gone by. We were exhausted. GDC week. And uh, it was, you know, the pe- people liked it, but like they were kind of like, eh, I don't know, you know, VR, mm, you know, it's not really a big audience. I don't know if we can, you know, come up with a bunch of money to fund this kind of stuff. And our last meeting of the week was with Sony. And this is back with you know, it was John Drake, uh, Brad Douglas, Brian Silva, Gio Corsi, uh, John Sanders, Shane Bettenhausen, Sean Benson. I think that was it. And they had a hotel suite, and we had worked together with Skulls of the Shogun. We had worked together with Galaxy. You know, we knew all the Sony guys really well, and you know, they're all you know personal friends, on top of everything. But they still, you know, they've got a job to do, and they've got to be tough about you know what they're going to sign and all that kind of stuff. And so, we had this prototype that was quite buggy, and every time we had shown the demo, like it had broken in some f- spectacular fashion, and so we we're exhausted, right? We're emotionally exhausted. We've been partied out from all week, and we're like, this is this pitch has got to go really well. And so we went in and the pitch just went off without a hitch and, and Brad played all the way through the demo. Nothing broke. It was like one in a thousand chance. And, you know, I kind of gave the whole spiel and I talked about Toronto and, and John Sanders is a huge Toronto fan. And like, you know, kind of everything, everything just clicked and we never get an answer right away. Normally it takes months of negotiations to kind of come to a conclusion and get the contract signed and deal with all this stuff. And you know, the pitch went really well, everyone's super excited about it. And then they kind of like broke off and went into like the main suite and left us in the in the kind of the, the bigger room. And they all just kind of came back after like five minutes with these big smiles on their faces, they're just like, All right, we'll talk soon And like a week later we got an email like, All right guys we love it let's do it and we're just like what and it was like a couple weeks and the thing was signed and done and they were like we love it we love it we love it psvr let's go we're you know we're doing this we're like hell yeah awesome so yeah geo is awesome and uh he's a huge ramen fan and so whenever he comes to japan i love taking him to all my favorite stomps oh, here man.
2: him and shuhei tweet about ramen all the time and I actually – and I, I had never really had it before. And I live in Atlanta. And, um, you know, I'm sure there's some great ramen bars all around here. But I – they have made me go – because I knew that it wouldn't be the same. But but I, they tweet about that food stuff so much that I was like, oh, like I have to go try some now. I, I, I don't know what it is. And I actually had my first ramen bowl uh, a couple weeks ago. And it was not as good as the ones <laughs> <laughs> it was not as good as the ones that they tweet about and stuff, but I was like, Oh man, so so I have this uh, I have this secret dream that one day I wanna I wanna go eat some ramen with like you guys or Shuhei. I or hope something.
1: you can come to Kyoto because I turn these guys on to <laughs> my favorite place was just a Jamaican ramen shop down the street that we go to all the time. It's, it's like a Jamaican jerk chicken ramen that doesn't make any oh. sense at all. But uh, Shuhei loves it, Geo loves it, all those guys are like you, you look back at their stuff. They're yeah. always talking about Jamaican ramen. They talk about Kyoto. They're like, we're hitting Jamaican ramen like every <laughs> single time. So I look That's forward amazing. to taking you there someday. It's amazing. I'm actually probably going to go today. <laughs> nice. It is. Yeah, man.
0: Yeah. I can't. I love ramen, man. I need pork belly. I'm not a huge meat eater, but I need pork belly in every single ramen dish that I order for sure. <laughs> As we have, I, I hate to bring it back to "Song in the Smoke" because because <laughs> <laughs> ramen is a great topic, <laughs> but, but we do have more questions. Uh, so let's uh Here. let's talk about a few of them. We get Slyward two fifty one at GameCat with the five uh, quid donation, saying I wanted to talk about last night's RE seven glitch, but now's not the time for that. Jake, I'm loving "Song in the Smoke." It's a bit whoa. Arigato uh, Masu. I'm probably got that wrong. Hashtag higher pants for AJ. Uh, <laughs> did did I pronounce that? pants totally higher. incorrectly?
1: No, you actually nailed that. It's pretty
0: good. Oh, nice. What, what he's, does it mean? He's, <laughs> Thank
1: oh. you. Oh, good. Oh, okay. Um, he's
2: he, he's saying higher pants for me because I was I've been streaming this game part one, part two, part three because it's huge, you know. And each area I'm kind of doing a different section for because I just have a blast for it, and it's it's a really fun game to stream. Um, and in your last update, now your clothes are they have bindings, uh, leather bindings or bark fibers, and I was you know, we were testing we were I was playing the next section while testing and and then my I'm fighting a uh yellow fang, which is like a hyena, and my pants fell off while I was while I was fighting. So so we were we were making jokes about, you know, the, the, the yellow fangs being bullies and and uh they go around you. Pantsing people. <laughs> Yeah. They go around pantsing people now.
1: <laughs> that was actually a mechanic that was in the game and uh we just you know, with everything going on, there was a couple things that just hadn't been taped together. You know, that that final circuit had not been activated. And so uh, that was off the table for way too long, you know, and so some of the balancing and some of the tuning of that did not get the the TLC that we had hoped it had. Um, The the pro tip is, first of all, there's a shader that's broken right now. So when those things are, are, they're supposed to be failing, like they're supposed to glow really brightly red when you look at your, your avatar, which will be fixed soon. But the pro tip really is just you want to reinforce everything with uh, with leather bindings. Leather,
2: yeah, that's what I've been doing.
1: Yeah, uh, it'll it'll help it a lot, go a lot longer. And then we're also gonna that tearing sound of your clothes tearing and falling off because like when you're in combat, usually they they get they get tattered by you know claws from a lion or whatever slashing you literally, yeah. so they they fall off. But we wanted them to be able to kind of be an object you could pick up and you know put back on and fix again. Uh, so we need to just really kind of turn that sound up. We're like. Sh- and you can tell the thing goes, Boonk, and you're like, okay, I lost my thing. I think we might even do a pop-up message that says, hey, dude, you just lost your clothes. Like, because if you do lose them and you don't notice because you're not looking at your feet or whatever, you lose your boots in a big fight and you roll along without it, you start to get freezing cold all of a sudden. It can not be problematic. So the pro tips are always leather bindings. And every day, always just be checking out your gear. Just give it a quick scan. How's everything doing? You know, uh, It gives a lot more uh, value to the, the the currency of the leather bindings. While we're talking about pro tips, let's help somebody
0: out in the chat real quick. We got DBSOSC said, I had a weird thing happen in my first playthrough where my knife broke and I was completely out of plant fiber, basically locking me in place without being able to make a new knife. Uh, Don't you just take a bone and and, and pound it with a a rock? I don't think there's any...
1: You take a. You can, I think it does require one binding, though. Um, so, what you would need to do is anytime you can grab an XL stick, one of the long sticks, and break it in half, and that'll give you one binding with, without the need for a knife.
0: Damn, look at that. Look at that pro tip right here from the man himself. Uh, we got VRFOB says, and I think I know the answer to this, but I can't wait to hear your uh, real answer. So why not one big open world?
1: Streaming, memory,. Um, a lot of reasons, you know, The there's a lot going on in this game. The the, the AI is actually really expensive. Uh, the number of animals that can be on screen at any given moment is actually quite expensive. Uh, the amount of stuff, because you're interacting with things. Like, think about a game like GTA or, or any of these games. Like, you leave an area and you come back to it, and like, everything's back to the way it was. Like, it's not... Every rock that you picked up and threw back on the ground is not remembered. And so the bigger the world is, the harder it is for you to kind of keep this stuff. So by, by limiting that space it just gets a lot easier to sort of give more fidelity to everything that's in there. Um, plus, I just like the idea of these kind of self-contained challenges. Uh, if you look at, you know, most of our games are actually these kind of smaller self-contained worlds, and it's a lot of things that we're talking about for our next game. Uh, is these, these the same concept of, like, a really rich, small open world that is, you know, kind of self-contained. and you? It's, it's a really good gameplay space, it turns out. It's just something that we really like, and it just it kind of works for a lot of our design ethos. It's
2: connected really well, though, because I've ever since, like, I think Final Fantasy games, um, which I was a big fan growing up, uh, they had these huge open areas, and, and you know, I always liked it a little bit more than open world, because it's like, yeah, the open world is cool, but like you said, you can cram so much more if it's in a big area, it can still feel like an open world, and I think that's kind of what this game does, similar to almost like, um, you know, it's not like everything's super, uh, procedurally generated like no man's sky. Um, but, but it's like when you, when you leave an area, you know, there's a giant glowing skeleton entrance to it and then you kind of walk through a portal and like, there's not like a loading screen right there. I mean, you walk through it and then the smoke clears and then you're in the next area. So, um,
1: You know, it, it's, it's funny, uh, on that topic, um, you know the the Quest version kind of came on later. Like Oculus saw the game at Bit Summit actually a couple of years ago, and we're like, oh my God, we got to do this on Quest. And we're like, well, I don't, you know, it's a PC and a PSVR game. I don't think we'll be able to squish it down onto the Quest. Um, and they're like, well, we would love to see that happen. So let's let's find out if we can. And so they gave us a, a budget to kind of do a, some some tests and try to bring this thing onto Quest. First test did not go well. I was dubious this was ever going to work out. But as we kind of went along, we were able to kind of keep hammering on stuff and uh we really you know it had to be parody right it had to be like the same game we didn't want to have like separate versions of the game like it had to be the same exact game same experience just different visuals to to kind of go with the lower hardware but the over the course of kind of like these hyper optimizations we had to do to get it to run on quest we basically got the game running so fast i was going to have these big beautiful toradasan concept pieces for our loading screens and for the whole game i'm like Yes, we're gonna use these, it's gonna be great. Every time there's one of these loading screens, you know, people are gonna be able to enjoy this beautiful artwork, it's gonna be amazing. We're gonna have this whole gallery of stuff that'll cycle through. We got the game too damn fast. There's no loading screens. At the end yeah. I was like I was like, wait guys, when are we gonna shove in this stuff? And they're like, Jake, there's no loading screens! Like the game loads so fast and I was like, God damn it, you're right, like No
2: Mad about no loading screens, that's a first
0: well i mean aj is known as the defender of loading screens so i was <laughs> until
2: i got a ps5 and that yeah. ssd is nice man
0: right we take it all back. Um, we take it all back yeah
2: i take it all back it was it was it, you know in the 90s and stuff i didn't mind because usually you'd have to wait 10 15 seconds but then you get a, a quality level out of that loading screen versus uh you know, something basic.
1: Yeah, no, that, that is the, the most welcome addition to the new, the new generation, I think. It's just like, yeah, jumping into the game. The,
2: the game itself is like so optimized, too. How in the world, what black magic are you guys cooking over there that this game was like two gigabytes at launch, and I think now it's five gigabytes? I mean, how do you fit this game into five gigabytes? It's kind of a rhetorical question, but...
1: I mean, I think uh, I talked to Brian about this uh, in our last chat a bit, but, you know, from the get go, I wanted to do something very stylized. I don't think photorealism, you know, holds up in a game, especially in VR, where you've got, you know, way more stuff to be pushing around. You've you've got to kind of I think the most successful games have a really unique identity visually and kind of can define a a visual goal, an aesthetic that you can deliver on that is sexy and juicy and, and nice and fits the tone and fits the world without being super hyper demanding. And so by this kind of minimized style, which I was really adamant about, you know, losing, I call it the lost and found edges, losing detail in the shadows, just bits of highlight with the normal maps, stuff like that, with this, this kind of tune shader we built. Um, basically what that did was it stripped out a ton of texture memory because we only have like normal maps and then like this very simple diffuse map. And so we're not using the, the sharpness, we're not using the hardness, we're not using the, the the reflection maps, we're not using the, you know, all these, like normally you would have just like tons and tons and tons of textures for any given object. Our texture budget is, is minuscule which allows for super fast loading and it allows for super high fidelity because these normal maps, uh, they kind of change their, you know, normally you get tiling patterns if you use small textures. Like you'll see that texture tiling over and over again. Right. But if it's a normal map, and there's a couple normal maps on all of these things, it has a small detail normal map, then it has a larger, bigger normal map, and then as that light changes, you know, the direction that it's hitting it, it's going to change what you're actually getting out of it. So you're not going to see that tiling. So we were able to, you know, by definition, define a visual, a high fidelity visual target that was actually very low in terms of, of resources. Right. Which wow. turns out to just be a great move across the board for VR and, and for fast loading levels. Like it just all kind of, we got lucky, there were some good decisions made for the right reasons. And then there's some luck and everything kind of just rolled together into this, into this outcome. Very impressive.
0: Speaking of rolling, Kill Artist 1, the Dreamweaver Game with a $5 tip says, loving the game. I did have one small but funny issue. My bow rolls away if
1: I drop it. LOL. <laughs> yeah. We we fixed that, a lot of those things. I, I actually noticed that the other day. I only throw my bow away when I'm done with it. Uh, yeah. But it does roll away. Basically, it's a collision. You know, there's a cone. Like, you're looking for the cheapest geometry that you can right. that has physics properties in the world. You're not actually... You know, you're not testing against every single polygon on that whole bow. Like, it's basically wrapped in a a package, and it's just a cylinder. It's one of the cheapest things you can get away with, and so it does tend to roll. Some of our stuff, we, we ended up going in and squishing those cylinders down, so they would roll a little bit and then flop over and stop. Uh, and we just never did it on that one, I think, uh, as, the, as the short version.
0: I love the inside uh, answers, man. That's good stuff. Uh, a lot of people have questions about uh, what uh, <clears throat> what you're doing now, what you're doing next, and uh, let's see if we can condense these down a little bit. Bryson and Taylor Goodwin says, "Are there going to be buildings added in the future?" Uh, I'm going to add to that and say, "Is there anything that like you wanted to do uh, like, that that just didn't make it into the game?"
1: One big one, uh, and it's something we talk about every day, especially now, and it's kind of a hardcore survival mode. Yes. Um, I, I, I I want it you know uh, there's a everyone at the company gives me grief uh, that says you know the, our games are too hard because they're tuned for me Jake mode and so I, I I always want more like I'm playing it all the time and I'm always like I'm a hardcore gamer and I want to be challenged and so as I get better and better at these things I keep like ramping up the difficulty and people are like dude <laughs> you know the rest of the world is not spending 50 hours a week you know on this thing for five years um, that being said there are a lot of people that are like you know, not just loving the game, they're like loving the game and they're mm-hmm. like, Give me more, give me a reason to come back and yeah. be able to keep jumping into this thing. Um it will take some work, it'll take some some, you know, some dedicated, concentrated effort. And so I think we're gonna kinda wait for a little while and see how sales go and see if we can justify kind of jumping back in and, and adding something that big. Um It is something that was on the original uh it was on the original design spec. It was something that we kinda planned for a long time. And we we sort of made some early engineering moves and opened up some stuff. So there's some blank canvases in there, basically in place for this kind of thing. Uh, as development kind of got more and more difficult, we started working from home and, and, you know, stuff kind of had to be looked at pretty objectively. It was one of the first things that got sort of trimmed off. Um, but it wasn't because we didn't want to. It was just sort of, you know, capacity of what we could achieve. Uh, that being said, it's, it's definitely something that I'm looking at and we're kind of talking about, like, you know, what would be the easiest way to get through this? Uh, we would love your feedback if everyone's got thoughts. You know, in terms of authoring whole new systems and whole new, you know, giant swaths of engineering, it's probably going to be less of that and more like, hey, how can we take what we have and what can we do to make this a really exciting, really kind of hardcore mode? I think difficulty modes are also something that we're looking at, kind of like, you know, maybe an easier mode and then like normal being what it is now. And then whether survivor mode is a, is like a separate difficulty or it's like a whole new mode uh, is kind of something that we're talking about now. Um but yeah, it's something I personally would love to do. So one of the cool things about being the devs is that we have cheat tools because uh, we're testing stuff all the time. And, you know, we don't have to beat the whole game uh, and in one go. We can just hop into a level. So lately, to get my jollies off, I'll jump into, like, Glacier Meadow or um, or Frozen Forest with, like, basically the starter kit. Like, with just grazer clothes and, like, a really weak bow and a really weak everything. <laughs> And you're basically like freezing your ass off from the get go. So you got to run around, you got to get cold herbs, and you have to kind of like really scramble because you've got nothing in your inventory. You don't have your whole, you know, coming up to this part of the game with all this cool stuff. Like you're starting off with zero, and you got to hustle. And I'm like, but man, I'm having a really good time with this. Like I wish that we could kind of come up with these one-off modes and like a way to just be like, hey, here's a single challenge. You know, can you make it through, you know, a week or whatever that looks like? I don't know. We're, We're trying to kind of figure it out. But again, this is the kind of thing that if you guys have got and all the viewers have got uh, ideas and input for kind of the stuff you'd like to see. Like now is the time to, to, to beat our brains with stuff you'd like to see for sure. Yeah. Uh, was... I think,
0: I think one of the things that, uh, you know, based on the question that was asked, uh, I, I feel like it, it kind of triggered something in my head saying, you know, you start off with nothing and then you start building clothes and you start, you know, you get a campfire and then you build these things that help you out around the campfire. Was there, was there ever a plan to uh, like allow you to build a hut? Like something that was like, like basically, uh, Allowed you to more. survive the night a little bit longer or easier? Um, just like even more advanced building mechanics? Or was that never on the docket? I mean, we had
1: more stuff originally. We had a bed. Uh, and so the hides of your bed would be, um, you know, one of the, one of the I don't know, the defining factors for how warm you could stay. Like you had a bed, you would actually sleep at the bed as, as opposed to just sleeping next to the fire. Um, your cloak, which is your inventory cloak, also had uh, defense and warmth and stuff. And that could fall off at one point. Um, but no, this is really kind of like, I mean, I know a lot of survival games have kind of like really in depth crafting stuff and you can sit there and build a whole city and things like that. This is more like one dude barely getting by freezing his ass off over the night, trying to not die from this lion. Like, you know, they're not meant to be really permanent, uh, outclaves, right? Enclaves? What's the word I'm looking for here? I think Out, outposts. Yeah. yeah, they're they're meant to be like you know I'm camping here for a couple of nights and then I'm sort of moving on. So there it was never really meant to be that deep. It was always kind of more like you know I'm going to tan some skins here, I have my my uh, my survival sack basically uh, coming online. Uh, but yeah, it was another, never really meant to be a whole lot more than that.
2: I'd like to I'd like to just get some hot sauce to go with my grilled gl- uh, grazer. They'll put a little hot sauce on it in the morning you know before i go out there fight some screechers be nice <laughs> well you,
1: you can you take your, your your caffeinated herb and just dump that on the top of the meat i don't think it'll i don't think it'll work super well but you know only one way to find out right get in there and experiment
2: what do you think the tastiest animal in the game is this is just-
1: Really going
0: off the rails here. I like this.
1: I mean, the size of the meat on the on the uh, we, we call them the inoshishi, which is the Japanese term for boar. But the, the inoshishi is the the charger. Oh, okay, his meat is so big when you're taking it off. And like you said, I'm, I'm not a big meat eater either, but I do like pork belly every once in a while. And I always just imagine that that would be like the super thing. We had different tiers of meat before. We had way more types of meat. It was way more complicated we kind of streamlined a lot of that stuff down. So it's a little weird now you're taking this meat this big. And then when you get in your hand, you're like, wait a minute, but uh, that's just the way it is. So
0: sorry. (laughs) Uh, I The game cat in the chat with the $20 tip says, thanks for coming on Jake. My respect for what devs go through grows. Every time I hear an insider development story, I'll be starting song in the smoke soon. I apologize ahead of time for turning off the grid. You work so hard on.
1: (laughs) Enjoy it. Grid free, my friend fly grid free. I didn't hurt my feelings like yeah this is this is it's just meant for for usability so whoever you know it's, anyway, we tried to give as many options as we could for everybody because everyone's VR needs in particular are different and we got us some pretty heated arguments uh, internally about like how many options to have and like we should have just one set of options and you know kind of um make it more straightforward for the users and i was like yeah but this is different it's physical right people literally people like i saw you know a lot of the streamers are doing the free rotation even i can't do free rotation it makes me sick i can do everything else i can jump i can run around we had a, a hot minute in the game where you could do free motion and you could run and just jump like like a regular first person game because at first when vr started years ago like no one had the stomach for that stuff everyone right. would get sick and then over years of testing and developing like everyone's like wait you know what? i can actually handle this and i turned on the free jump mode i was like this is great <laughs> yeah and then, but we realized again, it came back to that that navigation issue. We're like, wow, this is going to sort of mess a bunch of different stuff up, and you're going to get, you're going to be able to get to places where you can't get back out, and you're going to get stuck, and people yeah. are going to stop. We're like, all right, it so seemed like
2: should... it seemed like it was going to be a technical disaster if you tried to shoehorn that in. Yeah, so that
1: that kind of, but the point is, the options are there so everyone can enjoy the game to you know the most they possibly can, and that's that's the reason we put in all this stuff because no one's going to use all of it, but you know we want someone to use every bit of it.
0: Uh, I love uh, Chairface here is asking, will your next game be a VR game? Also, I'm I'm squishing questions together from different people. Uh, Has Sony approached you about PSVR 2? Are you thinking about doing an enhanced edition for the next gen of uh, VR headsets? Uh, I don't know if that's anything you can talk about. Uh,
1: These are all uh, delicate questions. Uh, Obviously, we are interested in in PSVR 2, which is still a ways off. I do think it would be a fit, obviously. I mean, I'm biased, but uh, uh, it's it's not something we're working on yet, but it's something that we are paying very close attention to. Uh, and as for our next project, uh, it's kind of up in the air. It could kind of go either way. It's going to depend on who the partner is that we publish with. Uh, we're in discussions with a handful of groups right now and, uh, you know, really – who is gonna pay the the bills for the next thing is gonna is gonna drive a lot of uh, what type of game it ends up being uh, We have a pretty solid concept um and you know we're really excited to get going on a new thing but uh when that kind of comes on uh you know right now we're really focused on the steam version actually we're we're kind of focused on the on the p c version and and what that's gonna mean if there's gonna be any sort of additional uh tweaks and tuning for the p c stuff or not um but yeah, I think. The short version is we have invested a ton of time and emotional effort and, you know, we built something we're super proud of and that we hope it has legs. And as long as the interest is there and people keep playing it and keep buying it, tell your friends, buy the game. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, more, the more support we get, the more we can continue to kind of keep this thing alive and keep adding stuff to this. You know, as opposed to a brand new game, I think the idea of adding more and more stuff to this would be something that ideally would work really well with us being able to kind of start on something new. But being able to kind of keep this thing hot and keep cooking on it, which would be, I think, a win-win for everybody. So, But it's all going to be down to sales. And, you know, PSVR and and Oculus Quest and Oculus Rift, Steam, they're all fantastic platforms, but they, they don't have, you know, the zillions of users that you need to kind of have like a really big hit. Unless this thing really kind of, you know, were to become a breakout hit, uh, you know, it's, it's probably not going to get a whole lot more content um, just because the, you know, I've got 15 guys whose, you know, salaries I need to pay every month and they've got right. families and stuff like that. And, you know, as much as we would love to sit down and like, you know, we're having we're having some real kind of come to Jesus talks right now where you know people are like, you know, we want to do this next. We want to do this next. We want to do this next. It's like, okay, guys, we got to pay for this, though. We got to like right. everyone's excited about it. And, you know, seeing the response has been such a. I mean, honestly, you guys both given the game, you know, like, these perfect scores. Like, that was the first stuff that I saw. Like, we had no idea what the reception was going to be. We're like, eh, people <laughs> are going to hate this. Like, what's going on? And you guys are like, 10 out of 10, it's fine game rules. On. We we're like, <laughs> I'm like, share this with the team. I'm like, you guys, look, I <laughs> love the game. Oh, my God. And so everyone's like, everyone has this whole, like, second win now. And everyone's got all these ideas, like, all the stuff that kind of didn't quite get finished. Like, we can finish this. We can do this. We can, uh, I'm like, okay. But it, it, it comes down to, like, yeah, we need to.
2: still have to make the money. <laughs> Right now, it's a weird time, too, for PSVR, yeah. because we're in this transitional period right now. Um, you know, P- PSVR 2, like she says, weighs off, and uh, we're, we're patiently waiting for that, And but still trying to, you know, enjoy the time that the first-gen headset has left. So it's, it's a little bit slower right now, um, but uh, it hasn't released on Steam yet, has it?
1: No, it's a couple no. of weeks out. We're well, getting close, but yeah, a couple more weeks.
2: Yeah, right now I mean Quest is you know, it's newer. It's the shinier new object right now and uh has a lot of attention and uh because of that I think Steam Steam has also benefited some. So hopefully uh uh it can it can help give you a little boost there um until you know we get we get our next new shiny toy, which is gonna be amazing.
1: Uh yeah, I, I've I'm very excited about PSVR too. I think it's gonna yep. be stunning. I think there's gonna be a lot of uh neat things about it that maybe are not uh talked about yet um i do think it's going to be sort of a, a game changer and i i you know i've been pretty adamant i, I would really like to to find a way to, to make sure that this thing comes out there so yeah nice
0: listen uh this has been this has been a great conversation man i feel like we we talked from soups and nuts from from launch to to future projections uh and uh, and we but we don't we don't want to say goodbye quite yet do we We want to uh, we want to make sure we end the show the way we end every show with a little game of PSVR 20 questions. Uh, And and Jake has graciously uh, offered to be the host this time around. Uh, Jake, the only thing we're going to ask of you, I'm going to put up the timer. We're going to be asking you yes and no questions. Uh, The only thing we're going to ask of you, uh, other than having a game in mind, is, is to count how many questions we're going through. I usually use my fingers, but that's totally your call. Okay, just keep us up to date with how many how many questions we've used. Uh everybody in the chat of course play along with us help uh, help me and AJ out. This is so great. I finally get to be on a team. I get to play this game co-op <laughs> instead let's of playing against AJ. I'll tell you playing against AJ is no fun. <laughs> but maybe being on the same team as him uh <laughs> I think is pretty damn awesome. So let me uh, let me bring up a, a timer real quick. And let's do this cats.
2: He uh, also said that he was going to choose his favorite game uh, of uh <laughs> favorite PSVR game of all time.
0: So, so I think that be limits the options. Probably not going to be an obscure <laughs> game, right? <laughs> All right, here we go. Six minutes up on the clock. There it is. It's really big. Uh, go for it, AJ. Why don't you kick off with the first question? Does it support the move controllers? No. No. Okay. Oof. Uh, so, I think most aim games are dual shock and aim only. So does it support the aim controller? No. Oh, Dual Shock only, guys. Probably Dual Shock. Probably Dual Shock. Probably.
2: There's still the HOTUS and the driving wheel. The HOTUS. Um, Is it it a horror
0: game? No. Ooh, okay. Well, now I'm out. out (laughs) I don't know. If it's not a horror game, I don't know anything about it. Uh, Is it a a rhythm game? No.
2: Okay. I like Braxboro with the Astrobot here. Super Dexter Murphy with the Hitman 3. Astrobot is pretty damn good.
0: Should we ask about perspective? Um, Like, what is it first? Is it a
2: third person game?
0: Third person. Okay. Okay. It is. Third person. Third person. So let's let's think about what some third person games could be. Uh, I mean, we got Moss. We got Astrobot. Yeah. Um, Yeah. What else we got? I mean, Along Together. I I feel like (laughs) Along Together isn't his favorite game. It's going to be Along Together. No No.
2: offense to that game.
0: Um, Is there any chance you play as a mouse in this game? No. Nah. Although um, I really like that game too. <laughs> yeah, I do love Moss as well. Um, we're going down the Astrobot route? Is, is that
2: what is we're this, doing? Is, is this we're game, going down the
1: Astrobot route.
2: Is this game developed by Japan Studio? It sure is. It is developed by Japan Studio. Brian, you want you want to guess it? I think we know what it is.
0: Well, let's just let's just make sure. One, one last okay. question: uh, d- yeah, is, yeah. Does this game use the touchpad for awesome little devices that you use it on the screen? It sure <laughs> does. Yeah. Uh, is, is this Astro Rescue Mission?
1: <laughs> yes,
2: man! Game, what a great game! Boy. Oh my god! What an amazing I, game that is!
1: I to me, you know, I, I love video games, and I love, I love just really great action games and and great adventures. And that's really kind of always been my, my number one bread and butter. You know, I love Mario. I love, uh, you know, Mario 64 when Mario 64 came out, like it melted my little brain. I just wasn't really ready for that. And I haven't, I haven't felt that feeling again since Mario 64. I'm just like, wow, this is a new world. This is insane. I'm in this world. Holy shit. And Astrobot literally was every bit as good as Mario 64, I thought. Like, I had I so many wow moments. And, like, the world was so happy you were there. And you're, like, you know, looking around. And things are reacting to you. And you're just, like, I feel like I'm on my own. Like, I'm on acid in Disneyland. It's, like, my own, like, crazy, <laughs> psychedelic little dimension of happiness. And rainbows. And everyone's just, like, bouncing around happy to see me. And, you know, the uh, – And I think this is something that gets sort of skipped over a lot. But um, it's something I, I'm personally really passionate about. Uh, I love – I mean, I love video games. I've always loved video games, and I love you That's know scary. the the uh, I get that. <laughs> uh, I love the uh, the one to one sort of relationship that you build with your avatar and like on screen and your weight and your physics and your you know your timing and like you know it's all this kind of stuff. I really love action, juicy action games. Juicy, um, and you know I loved Mario sixty four, and it blew me away. But the problem was every Mario game up until that point. In, in any action platform right at that point had been 2d where like you can judge your arc as you're jumping you can judge your arc and even you know before you even hit the apex of your arc you can tell if you're going to be successful or not like you can just you feel it right you don't yeah. need to worry about it too much or if it's like a, a brawler thing like street Fighter, or whatever like you know how far your punch goes or your kick like down to the pixel right like there's this fidelity that you get in a 2d yeah. game the 3d games just can't do like you just lose that like you're swinging your arm into this flat space it's a 2d screen that represents a 3d space But all of a sudden, you've lost your depth perception. Right. You've lost your depth perception. And the other thing, this is just my own personal pet peeve, I fucking hate babysitting the camera with the right stick. Mm. I hate it. Hmm. That is is not on my menu of fun stuff that I want to be doing while I'm, like, fighting for my life and having this great time on this crazy (laughs) adventure. I don't want to do that. I don't want to babysit the camera. I don't want to deal with that unless that camera is my head and my neck which i have been using every day since i was born to look at what i want to look at immediately i don't think about it it's completely natural and so you go to astrobot which is a fantastic like i would argue almost perfect video game like it is such an achievement it's insane and then you give me depth perception yeah. perfect depth perception i can ju- i can judge these things into the world just as well as i could on a on a side scrolling screen and all of a sudden i don't i'm not babysitting this camera i'm just looking around yeah and like i'm not even thinking about it, right i'm in the world and i'm just like <laughs> looking at the guy and he's right over here and i'm like i'm i'm so sold i'm so 100 percent immersed in this thing having more fun than i know what to do with i mean i can't tell you how many times i played through that game yeah and it, it was actually kind of a real thing because i think it didn't get the attention it deserved just because the vr audience is smaller and then the ps5 astrobot thing came out and everybody played that and yeah. everyone's like oh my god jake did you play the astrobot thing on the ps5 i'm like i did it's cute it's fun it's great I'm telling you it has yeah. nothing on the VR version. Like it, yes. the Thank VR you. version is just like <laughs> 10 million times more mind-blowing and like I'm like yeah. if you like that and I get why you would like it, right? It's very right. well crafted. I have a huge amount of respect for that team. I think they're as good as Nintendo first party. Like I honestly think that team is like an- amazingly talented. Yeah. But you know, st- being back in a flat screen and like noodling with the camera and like, you know, not being able to kind of judge distances and stuff like that, I'm like, man, it's just not the same. I can't get into it nearly as much as the VR thing. And I really, really hope that they're doing a hardcore giant adventure for PSVR 2 because that'll be my number one in the Ford game. Yeah. I hear you. If I didn't tell you that. I love Astrobot.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we 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 just had this conversation recently. I mean, I even go into how it does the touchpad. Uses the touchpad better than any PS4 game as well. And, like, that's just one more thing that it did. But also, we, we do a game awards every a PSVR awards show uh, every year, and it won the 2018 uh, game
1: of the year for us. So, with um, my game of the year? Of just you know, across the board, any hardware, any <laughs> platform, anything. I, I love that yeah. game so much. Yeah. Unbelievable. And like, they, were, they were bringing in new mechanics even way late into the game. You know, you're like, this is crazy. Like, how can you put all this, <laughs> all this time and effort into this whole new thing that you're only using in this one level, like, way late in the game? And they just kept it up. They're like, yeah. And we got more. And you're like, oh, I love you guys. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> it's really good stuff. Jake, Beautiful. I wish we could keep you all day and talk about video games, talk about PSVR. Um <clears throat> I have a feeling that we could talk uh all day about non VR games, about retro consoles and, and video games and I think a lot of our chat is uh, uh around our age where where they've got an appreciation for that kind of stuff. So I hope that we can steal you again sometime soon and uh, and get you back on. Anytime, the show. man.
1: Yeah, I love coming to you guys. It's always fun. Um And yeah, this is just, you know, the great, the kind of stuff I love, I'm here to talk about. So, I mean, you want to talk about old games, you want to talk about new games, you want to talk about (laughs) my games, all of it. It's all good. Awesome. Yeah, I always really appreciate this and having a great time. So, anytime.
0: Thank you for being here, man. We, re- we really, really appreciate it. The chat is very, very appreciative of you being here, too. This was a fun show. Uh, so thank you to everybody who hung out in the chat. Thank you to everybody who didn- donated during the show. Thank you to everybody who supports us on Patreon. Uh, of course, thank you to AJ, who I can't do this show without, and the moderators, and Sci-Fi Game Cat Henry, and Miles Dyer, and J-Meow, everybody who makes this channel run. Uh, it's not just me. It's not just AJ. There's a whole fucking community that's making this thing happen. Jake, we'll see you soon, man. But it's time to cue the cat.
2: Do the cat, Brian, because I want to say congratulations Hold to on Jake for the launch of Song in the Smoke. Song in the Flame." Cat says, hashtag, hire Jake. I agree. Decepticon. <laughs> hire Jake. EG, yeah, Nihilus Ryan, the game feline. <laughs> Right says, love these devin' you. Thank you guys for joining, man. Secrets up. good to see you. Endeavor One in the house tonight. Thank you guys so much for joining. Um, Game Gamecat in the chat. Genetic Blasphemy, the reverse engineered Gamecat. Uh, Bryson and Taylor Goodwin, thank you for joining. Also, everybody, thank you so much for, uh, for submitting questions for us and having, uh, Jake answer some
0: questions for us. AJ, hey, hey, I'm breaking in. Guys. I'm breaking in with a breaking news. Scott Jessico, I missed his tip. Scott Jessico, PSN, Harry Fellow, PSVR. Gamecat 4 Life with the $5 tip says, brought, bought, song in the smoke. I just need a week off. To play it, oh yeah! I got the last week of Spooky Month off, off of work. Let's go VR is the way. Hell yes! Let's Thank you, Scott Jesco. Sorry for missing the tip, Scott Jesco. Ben Dawson,
2: Bring thanks you. so much, man. Secrets of Dan Keeper, Twitch is the single player game cat says, <laughs> play more dreams and song of the smoke off. <laughs> uh, they uh, make sure you guys join uh, the 17-bit Discord as well. They've got like a bunch of talk to devs. They got suggestions box. Bug reports, all that good stuff. Uh, Join our Discord.
0: Out. We're giving away "Song in the Smoke." We're giving another one yes. away tonight. <laughs> yes.
2: yes. Good luck to that cats. Otter X, the restless wandering game cats. Guys, have a great night. We will see you on Wednesday.
1: Right right. On. Sorry, is... I went try to find my cat. I couldn't find
2: him.
1: He's a... <laughs> oh. <laughs> the giant <laughs> Maine Coon, who's my best friend, and I wanted to get him on the show, and he's he's hiding Aww. somewhere. Oh. <laughs>
0: Well, that's it, man. We're, we're, I'm going to end the show right about here. Uh, so we'll see you guys on Wednesday, 6 p.m. Love you all.